Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Broadcasted live. There are balls coming from all over the place. Left field, center field, right field. See, this this is the kind of thing, quite honestly, right now, that makes you want to see the Chicago Cubs team lose. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? It'll be fun. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, or get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland. Get in you talking to me? You talking to me? That is the farthest thing in the universe from the truth. Hello, everyone. Live, it's the Dan Scott Show. And right there is your host, Dan Scott. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am Dan Scott. Good to have you with us. Thank you for tuning in. This will be the second episode since we've rebranded the podcast from Grumpy Old Broadcasters to simply the Dan Scott Show podcast. All the previous episodes are still available when you search the Dan Scott Show podcast on any of the places where you get your podcast from. And can I say the word podcast anymore? But uh, rebranded it, and uh, this is the second episode since we've done that, and uh, got a good one for you today. Going to go in a, uh, about three different directions in this one. We're going to talk some college football with uh, one of the best in the business when it comes to working behind the microphone, legendary Tim Brando. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball and a little bit of social sports, if you will, with another really, really great one, Dave Sims, the play-by-play voice of the Seattle Mariners, and we're going to talk some Ryder Cup golf with a two-time Ryder Cup participant and PGA Tour veteran Brad Faxon. So we've got a full lineup for you on this edition of the Dan Scott Show podcast. I need to tell you right at the very beginning that the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Todaro Pizza. If you're in the upstate of uh, South Carolina or you're planning to make a trip here, then you need to go check out Todaro Pizza on Markley Street. If you know anything about the geography of Greenville, it is right down the block from Floor Field at the West End. That's where the Class A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox, the Greenville Drive, play. The pizza is absolutely fantastic. I call it bucket list pizza because it's something you simply have to have. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They also have the lunch buffet, which is back and open now from Sunday through Friday and uh, Dollar Slice Night on Wednesdays. So if you can make it into the area, if you're already here, you know about it. If you can make it into the area, coming in for some reason, check out Todaro Pizza, T-O-D-A-R-O Pizza.com, and you can find them on Facebook, Todaro Pizza Greenville. All right, let's get right to it. I'm excited uh, about this edition of the show because, as I said, we've got three pretty heavy hitters. I'm going to start off with some college football. Tim Brando is the longtime play-by-play voice uh, of college football and basketball, uh, going back to his days at ESPN and CBS and now at Fox Sports. I had a chance to talk with him uh, just recently. Uh, In fact, I'm recording this on Monday. It was earlier today. It was that recent. 
And one of the things we talked about was his view on the overall health of the sport of college football, and it's something that might catch you by surprise. Here's my conversation with Tim Brando. Right now we're going back to the guest line and uh, welcoming a guy who not only is just a national treasure for his work in both college football and basketball, but around these parts, here where I am at Furman University, he is uh, a guy whose voice will always be linked with what so far has been the pinnacle of the Furman Paladins football program, the 1988 then Division I AA National Championship. Tim Brando of Fox Sports is joining us. Tim, how are you? I'm wonderful, Dan. Good to be with you. And um, that does bring back a lot of uh, memories of the, the Purple Paladins uh, in that national championship. Also, if you don't mind, uh, please tell, when you have him on tomorrow, tell Marty Brenneman um, that I said hello and how much I um, I miss I miss him. I miss I miss hearing uh, Marty Brenneman. He uh, just was um, a wonderful, wonderful broadcaster in every sport that he covered, uh, and I think a lot of people associate him with the Reds, but you know, I associate him as strongly with the ACC and college basketball uh, and in, uh, in many measures uh, in all sports because he was just the consummate pro and was really good to guys coming up uh, like me uh, during that period in the uh, early to mid-'80s as I was cracking in doing ACC games. Uh, Marty was a stalwart at that time and um, just a, a, a beautiful human being. So tell him I said hello. I'll be sure to do that. He, he has had an impact on a lot of people, myself included. Uh, growing yep. up a Reds fan, I was fortunate to listen to him, and I guess I'm dating myself now. He was the voice of the Reds for 46 years, and I listened to him for 45 of those 46. I discovered them as an 8-year-old in 1975, and it was over. Yeah, and, and- yeah, and you know, uh, Marty. Um, I mean, that's he—he he was the Reds for such a long time. Uh, but trust me when I tell you, he could have done exactly what Al Michaels did. Mm-hmm. He was certainly a network quality broadcaster from the jump. But he chose to stay in Cincinnati, and he enjoyed doing ACC basketball. So he did that for a long, long time, and uh, he wanted to enjoy life and uh, and help a lot of others. Uh, Al. Al was only in Cincinnati a short time, uh, worked the World Series, I think, as a 27-year-old with my idol, Kurt Gowdy, and then he left for San Francisco because the Giants' paycheck was really big, and he was from California anyway, so that's why he left. But, but Marty got there and, uh, you know, and chose to stay. And, and I tell a lot of uh, broadcasters that I had many, many people, including Mr. Gowdy when he was um, alive, telling me, that uh, don't get caught up necessarily in this need to be the, the big national network guy. Sometimes your quality of life can be a lot better if you're uh, the voice of a team for a long period of time. And, you know, Marty was not a homer. I mean, he was no. to a certain extent. He, but he was also really hard on the Reds. I mean, hard on the Reds. <laughs> and and he, did, he did allow some of his editorial, uh, editorials to, to illustrate that. But he... Um, I just I just wanted to point out that he's um, he's as good as it gets. He's um, uh, comparable to any great network broadcaster that uh, ever lived. Yeah, I'll tell you this quick story, and then we'll move on. The very first time that I met him, I was a 20-year-old working at my hometown radio station in Williamson, West Virginia, and thought, mm-hmm. thought that I was on my way to New York City. 
and, and I, I went to a, a Reds game to do some interviews, and it's the first time I'd had a credential for anything other than a high school sporting event in my life. And I got there, and I was scared to death. Long story short, he took, he took about 10 minutes with me to walk me through the process of how to go about doing the job. And then to your point, he said, since you've never done this, here are some players I would talk to, and here are some ones to stay away from. <laughs> so, that says it all. Yeah, it, it pretty know, much it does. Yeah, he gave you his own um, his own GPS at the time. Pretty know? much, it was good. Yep, yep. 1987. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Hey, uh, l- let's let's get talking on some college football. It, it's been a wild start to this season so far. I'll just kind of throw that open ended question or open ended statement out to you and let you go for a second. But through four weeks, man, we've got storylines aplenty. We do, um, and and I think it's great for the game. Uh, the the confluence of post COVID super seniors with the extra year of eligibility, the transfer portal has made for, I think, a tremendous amount of balance that uh, may be shocking to some, uh, not necessarily to me, because I've always felt like we had more parity than the national media would allow you to believe, because uh, during the playoff era in the, the, the so-called who's in promotion, uh, by my my friends over at ESPN, I I thought had really dumbed down the conversation uh, since the college football playoff began. It's almost as if we only talked about four or five teams, and the same four or five teams ad nauseum. Uh, now, I mean, you just can't do that anymore, and and hopefully, you know, soon uh, by 25 at least, we'll have a 12 team playoff, and. Uh, and that'll be better for the game, too. It'll make it more national in scope. People will have to be more aware of other teams that, that have names that aren't considered big brands. Uh, but, but that's what's happened here. And I think notably uh, the loss of uh, what had been really, I think, separating in many respects the brand names, they all had what in common? They all had quarterbacks. They all had big-time quarterbacks that helped separate them. And uh, this year you've got uh, a situation at Clemson, a situation at Ohio State where it's not happening because the, the quarterback play is not where it's, it's been in recent years. And even with um, Georgia's situation being what it is with an outstanding defense, um, well, I'm still not sure about JT Daniels. I mean, I'm, I, I still haven't seen him do it in a big game circumstance. And at Alabama, um, the, the reality is they lost a ton on the defensive side of the ball. And while their quarterback situation seems to be bright, we're not sure how that young man, even with his million-dollar NIL bill, we don't know how he's going to respond when pushed, you know, in a big-game environment. And uh, we'll find that out, I think, this week because, you know, that, that team at Ole Miss has got arguably the best quarterback in the country and will be the first player taken – in the upcoming NFL draft in Corral. So this, <laughs> we're not done seeing uh, uh, moving and shaking in the top four or five, in no, my opinion. No, I no. think we're going to see more upsets moving forward. Yeah, I would agree with you. Tim Brando from Fox Sports visiting with us here on ESPN Upstate. Dan Scott filling in for Rob Brown this week. Uh, Tim, there are a lot of uh, doomsayers 
around the sport of college football, whether it's the NIL, whether it's realignment, whether it's playoff expansion. There are so many people out there nationally wringing their hands that and saying that college football is about to implode, that, that the sport is in trouble. You are kind of the voice in the wilderness. If anybody follows you on social media, you are, you are 180 degrees in the other direction and not afraid to call out those people who are the doomers and gloomers. Well, let me let me be upfront, okay, and 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 get get rid of the the the, uh, the BS. All right, much of uh, our media today, all right, and I think a lot of it stems from, and and I want to I want to I want let me start Dan by saying this to you, okay. I owe as much of my career success to having worked in Bristol, Connecticut, and, and worked at ESPN for uh, nine years as as anybody. Okay. But what we have in today's media, and especially those that are coming up in the media, is a belief that um, all of all of sports media is is centered around one entity. And uh, God forbid, you know, I piss off ESPN. <laughs> we can't we can't upset them because they control all of college football. Well, they don't. They don't. And, and they, they control much of it. They've done a lot for it. I don't believe there's an entity that's done more for college football than ESPN, and I'm part of it. You know, I, I was the, 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 the first host of College Game Day. There's a whole generation of fans that don't know that. But I was. And, uh, and I, as I said, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. But now, you know, they, they have so much property. They have so much volume. And, uh, and I think there are people out there that believe that some of what's going on means that moving towards the future, more than just ESPN might be involved in the future of college football. And what's wrong with that? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with more, with more um, uh, diversity and network coverage of college football? Uh, to this point, you know, and I worked at CBS too, which was also great for me. I wouldn't be where I am today without the 18 years I spent there. But, I mean, they had the 330 window. They're going to lose it soon to ESPN. They gobbled that up. And um, uh, NBC has its deal with Notre Dame, and uh, and Fox is really the only other uh, network that has um, a, a real good foothold into some other college football properties. And anything that I might say in today's world on your show or in social media, people will immediately say, well, you know, he's a Fox guy. You know, it shouldn't be about that, okay? I applaud everything that ESPN has done and will do in the future. But the growth of the sport, the growth of college football, can't just be tied to one entity. It needs to be tied to all forms of media. How did the NFL, Dan, get where they are? How did they get there? They, they, they got uh, there I'll, by, I'll by multiple networks. Yes, yes. Pete Rozelle was a genius, an absolute genius. It started with the merger in 1970 with the AFL and NFL. And good, solid competition, by the way, with the old AFL and the NFL. And then when the merger occurred, there were rights restrictions that were built into television that sort of tied uh, audiences to their specific teams. And there were guidelines and rules and regulations that allowed all of, um, uh, of the business partners of college football to flourish. And, uh, you know, we've never had that in college. College football has always been, for the most part, um, 
you know, governed by uh, one or two or two networks. You know, when 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 I, when I was at ESPN, we were like a uh, a Triple A farm club trying to get to the big leagues. And when we got CFA prime time uh, in 1986, my first year doing the sidelines, uh, we didn't even have game day back then. Uh, we were just pleased to have a piece of the pie. Uh, the CFA main deal was on CBS in those days, and of course, ABC was doing the Big Ten and the Pac-10 uh, and the Rose Bowl. But as time has gone on, uh, more and more growth uh, in the behemoth that is college football, ESPN, is, is taking control. And I think a lot of people in the media uh, that, that, that are the mouthpieces of the sport are being heard at one entity. And so they, they feel at this stage, and I think they are beginning to see that, that there's the potential of things changing down the road. So you know, I think that may be part of it. You know, that may be part of this, oh, my God, we're going down a slippery slope. Meanwhile, I look at the ratings, and they're through the roof. <laughs> they're, they're higher than they've ever been. And then in the year after COVID, they should be. Um, and, and understand that a lot, of, a lot of fans out there just want to see their teams play. They don't care what network is carrying their games. They just want to see their teams. So I think that's a little bit of it. I do. I think that um, you have to – you have to understand that many in the media, uh, me included, okay, are going to have agendas. And, and I think that I'm speaking as fairly as I possibly can when I say this. Independent thought, okay, real strong independent thought coming from those in the media is getting harder and harder to find. And, and that's unfortunate because uh, we all at this point should be in the same business and rooting for one another. I, I watch – uh, games no matter what network, and I applaud good work when I see it. And if I feel like somebody dropped the ball, I'll say that too when I see it. Because I've been in this business long enough that I think I've earned the right to give that opinion. But, uh, but that's a little bit of it. I think the doomsayers out there want, and this is a byproduct of social media too, uh, this has nothing to do with the network carriers or who the media works for anymore, but, but social media is all about negativity. If you ever go on Twitter and say something really positive about something, rest assured the first, uh, you know, 50 reactions you get to your post will be negative. So <laughs> that's, that's a lot of it. I, I, yeah, there are clearly problems. NIL is a uh, thing that scares a lot of fans because they think, oh my God, the purity of college athletics is lost. Well, they were living in fantasy land for the last 35 years because it's never been as pure as they deemed it to be. Now, what we're doing is we're allowing the players to finally make legitimately what they were getting illegitimately for such a long period of time. And good for the players. They need that. A lot of those that hate uh, the name, image, and likeness fall into my age bracket and beyond. And uh, as we get older, I've noticed it with some of my friends, there's a tendency to get cranky. Uh, Even I do uh, (laughs) on occasion. But, I mean, that's part of it. Change is something that a lot of people just can't uh, grab hold of and, and, and see that, you know, we need to, we need to make these advances. Uh, without, without the players, the product doesn't exist. And so making sure that the players get their piece of the pie is a good thing. As it relates to um, realignment, that's, that's part of the, the growing process from a business point of view. Uh, the revenue that's coming into these programs Dan, they're, they're, they're by and large living and dying with television rights 
and 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 the networks need to get something back for what they're paying. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, I have no problem with the SEC getting Oklahoma and Texas. I I understood it. You know, they were uh, Sankey was taking care of his constituency and ensuring the fact that his his conference would uh, would gross the most money of any other conference in America, and that's what he did. But at the same time, to do that and not expect the Big Ten. Uh, and ACC and Pac-12 to react with their alliance is foolhardy. Of course they're going to do that. And by the way, great leaders should do that. Sankey decided to be a leader and act with autonomy and move for, for his conference. And the, and the other men that are running their leagues are basically new to the, to the business. Klyavkov just got the job at the Pac-12. Warren is what, starting his second year, and the first year was uh, he had some missteps. And then you have Jim Phillips, an old ACC, uh, an old Big Ten guy from Northwestern, now governing the ACC, which is a little bit behind the eight ball because of the television deal that they made for what? They wanted a cable network. And so they were, you know, their presidents just had to have a cable network. And and ESPN smartly said, well, we'll give you your cable network, but guess what? We want a 12-year deal, and you're only going to get this much money annually. And the ACC accepted it. And, uh, and now Jim Phillips is having to deal with that, and and try to strengthen his situation. So it's a business, yes, but it's growing, and hopefully it will be more open-ended and uh, more progressive. College football has been the slowest sport to change, uh, other than Major League Baseball, uh, in, in the world. No, no sport is stuck in molasses any more than college football. So all of this change that people believe is, is bringing doom and gloom is overdue. It's all happening at once because they, they kicked it down the, the street so long. They kicked this can down the street so long. There was no turning back. It all had to happen at one time. We're visiting with Tim Brando, and we're really at the point where we have to take a break, but i got to ask you one quick thing before we go, Because, and speaking of being tied yeah. to a single entity, uh, you have worked yeah. with Spencer Tillman for 23 years, which is unheard of in this day and age. To, to have the same broadcast well, my partner. Friend, my friend Chris Fowler. My friend Chris Fowler's been with Herb Street for 25, I think. But but it, but it doesn't happen often. And, and games. It, yeah, do, it doesn't, doesn't happen, happen often. That's right. Uh, That's right. How 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 does that relationship? Why does that relationship work? I guess is the better question. Organically, you know, it happens quite naturally. Uh, I had been at CBS since '96. I was actually doing the CBS College Football Today starting in 98 and I was working with Lou Holtz and Craig James and uh, Craig went on to work at the NFL today the year after that and Lou took the South Carolina job so we needed someone and, and uh, he was working across the street at WABC doing the weekend sports and I had actually done an audition tape for Spencer he was he was working off season uh, in Houston with the Oilers with KPRC with uh, the great Ron Franklin and uh, so he knew what he wanted to do and um, when when CBS brought him over, I was thrilled. Um, but, but he also had a very young family that still lived in Houston. I, of course, was he was he was commuting between New York and Houston to do his job. His family was still back in Sugarland. And um, Thanksgiving week of that that year, 1998, he brought his family up. He had nothing but girls. I had nothing but girls, and our wives were about to, you know were close, and our kids were close. And we just became not not partners and broadcasters, but uh, you know partners. But we became really close friends, and we maintained that 
uh, you know, for a generation now. And uh, my only grandson, I've got three granddaughters, and my only grandson is named Spencer. Now, that happens organically. That that doesn't just, <laughs> you know, you don't sign a contract to figure out who your daughter is going to want to name <laughs> her son after. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that just tells, tells you the friendship uh, that we have and, um, you know, there's comrades. There's uh, uh, there's uh, in life you can have comrades, you can have um, you can have coworkers, but you can also have uh, the the kind of guys that are confidants. And and Spencer is a confidant. He's someone I share things with that I wouldn't share with anyone else. And he's the same way towards me. And when you have that kind of trust built over a period of time organically then you can't help but uh, prove that every Saturday when you go on the air together. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, winding up at Fox the way we did is just uh, fantastic. The one year we've been apart was my first season at Fox after I abruptly left CBS. And uh, Spencer was back in the studio there. He had a year left on his deal. And uh, it just so happened that uh, there were changes being made at Fox in the booth my second year, um, uh, Charles Davis was going to move to the NFL, and uh, that meant they had an opening with Gus Johnson on our lead college football team. So Joel Klatt, a young uh, analyst at that time who worked with me, uh, moved up to work with Gus, and um, and I had to, they had to find a partner for me. And so for the first time in 36 years in this business, my boss has actually asked me my opinion. I said, do you have anybody you'd like to work with? I said, absolutely. His contract is coming up at the end of the year. I sure wish you'd get Spencer Tillman from CBS. And that happened. And here we go. We're now uh, in our seventh year together at Fox. And um, it's been fantastic. Well, it's great stuff. And somebody who's been in the business for 36 years, when you get a chance to work with somebody like that, that you trust, and, and I have, it's phenomenal. Tim, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I really appreciate the effort you put in over the last couple of weeks to make this happen. Happy to do it, Dan. Good luck in your future endeavors, and remember the journey's the best part. You got it. What a fantastic conversation that was with Tim Brando. When we come back, an equally fascinating conversation with another stalwart in the broadcast industry, Seattle Mariners voice, Dave Sims. That just ahead as the Dan Scott Show podcast continues in just a moment. Treat yourself to one of the fastest growing, most entertaining activities in the upstate with a visit to Craft Axe Throwing. From casual axe throwing to the World Axe Throwing League, Craft has it all right here in Greenville. Get in-house safety instruction, then claim a lane and start throwing today. League nights available for those who love to compete. Craft Axe Throwing, 1320 Hampton Boulevard, in Greenville, call 864-301-6032 or visit craftaxthrowing.com. Sometimes cleaning up the neighborhood begins at home. When it does, call on Shane's Powerhouse Washing. Shane's is a family-owned business which prides itself on being on time and doing the job right the first time. Residential or commercial, home, business, driveway, parking lot, decks, fences, even dumpster pads. If it needs cleaning, Shane's Powerhouse Washing will get it done. Also, ask about the handyman services available. Call today, 864-760-9184 or check out the website, www.shanespowerhousewashing.com. 
The power of choice is a game changer in any walk of life, and insurance coverage is no different. Dana McMahon and Goosehead Insurance give you that power. With over 80 insurance carriers to shop, Dana finds the best coverage at the best price. How successful is he? Goosehead's client loyalty score is more than double that of traditional agencies, and the local agency in Taylor's has a 97.8% customer satisfaction rating. Goosehead specializes in home and auto insurance, but offers all lines of personal coverage. And Goosehead's cutting-edge technology speeds up the quote process. Find out how much you can save on insurance today. Call Dana McMahon at Goosehead Insurance, 864-626-6745. That's 864-626-6745. Or visit www.goosehead.com. That's Dana McMahon and Goosehead Insurance. Every sports fan's goal should be make it to the Hall of Fame. Well, we have you covered with Hall of Fame Sports Grill at 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard in Greenville. Known for their great food and fantastic daily specials, Hall of Fame has you covered with all the game action on their 30 televisions. Plus weekly events like Tuesday night's bar trivia for dummies, Wednesday night's music bingo, Thursday night's dirty bingo, and karaoke with Fred Rock every Friday. That's 531 Wade Hampton Boulevard, HalloFameSportsGrill.com. Dan Scott here for the Atlanta Bread Company. What do I like about Atlanta Bread? Well, too much to mention in a short commercial, but here are a few things. Bread baked daily fresh on site, a tremendous selection of soup, sandwiches, and salads, seasonal special additions to the menu, delicious hot coffee, and a bevy of other drink options, and yeah, can't forget about the baked sweet goodies. Dine in or carry out, and when you have the Atlanta Bread Company app, you can order and pay online, then breeze past the lines to the pickup counter to get your food. Experience it for yourself. That's the Atlanta Bread Company, Cherry Dill Point in Greenville. Let me tell you something, Cowboy. This rookie can really bring the heat. He's smoky and spicy with a Chipotle style all his own. It's a new Montgomery and Chipotle barbecue sauce. Make it a part of your home team. Available now at your neighborhood grocer or online at CincyFavorites.com. Scott Show podcast continuing here. Good to have you with us. Opened up with Tim Brando. Going to stay in the broadcasting realm. And uh, shift gears, talk a little baseball and uh, a little bit of uh, how well athletes appreciate the history of the sport that they play. And a guy that I've had this conversation with before who was kind enough to join me again for this episode is Dave Sims. He is the very fine play-by-play broadcaster for the Seattle Mariners. He has uh, done it all, man. NBA, he does talk show with uh, Mike Krzyzewski, basketball and beyond on Sirius XM. Pioneer in the radio talk show business. I mean, he has flat done it all. Just a wonderful guy to talk with. And we opened the conversation with me asking him after the COVID-shortened 2020 season how it felt to be back in the booth for the Seattle Mariners well well we've been we've been in the booth you know since the pandemic started I mean we have we've not traveled and you know here we come in into the last week of the season that hasn't changed and you know we've made adjustments on how to call a game you know off of monitors uh, when they're on the road and uh, you keep on keep on pushing and uh, you know you get better at doing it too it was it was interesting. I mean, it's a first world problem. I mean, you know, with all the things going on in the world, 
check that I get a blood cast off a monitor to give me a break. It's, you know, it's not heavy lifting or anything, and nobody's life is on the line. But, yeah, you do have to make some adjustments and, and learn a couple things, but uh, it's gone well. Yeah, the, the, the flip side of that, though, is it did push you and, and every other broadcaster out of their comfort zone, and, and you said that it's something well, that you had to get used to and, and get better at. Yeah, you know, the, the the thing, you know, the routine, you know, baseball's so routine. Well, they're all sports are routine-oriented, but we, you know, we're 162 games in 180 days. And, you know, we're used to, I'm used to traveling on the road, being on a plane, seeing the guys, hey, you know, asking a guy, hey, what do you think of this? Or, hey, you know, whatever, hey, got a couple seconds. Hey, you know, nice job last night. The interaction have been, or must be down about 90%. And, you know, I've been lucky probably since right after the All-Star break to catch a few guys when they're at home, uh, when they went to the policies, go down the field first without masks, now with masks. And uh, so I literally have the 20, we've had like 60-some guys play on the club this year. But of the current like 26, 28 guys we have right now, I still probably have not met, I don't know, 15, 18 guys. Which, when when you do this job and and you do it well, whether we're talking baseball, football, whatever it is, getting that personal interaction and, and getting to know something about them and, and about their stories and and some of the little things that on the surface might might seem uh, so trivial to some people, but they can lend so much to a broadcast. And now you have to find a way to either get that information in a different way, or find a way to compensate because you don't have it. Well, you compensate by, you know, hopefully, hopefully having good conversations with your partner. Uh, you get, thankfully, the manager does a Zoom every day, and we generally can get some good stuff. I mean, I take notes every day on those conversations, and I usually get five or six things that I can use that you know, apropos to uh, that game and, and talking about the previous night's game. So, you know, we're, we're getting through it. We're getting through it. Visiting with Dave Sims, the uh, Seattle Mariners broadcaster. The, the Mariners. Entering the final week of the season, and I think this is probably surprising to a lot of people, at least the way quote-unquote experts thought the season was going to play out back in April. Sitting here in the final week of the season, two games out on the wild card and still a chance to get to the postseason. It's been an interesting year in Seattle, hasn't it? Interesting, all caps, italicized, and underlined. You're darn right, that's what I mean. Nobody in their right mind had us at this point. You know, being 86 and 72 games out in the wild card, but still a puncher's chance here. You know, need a couple of breaks. Need a couple. Of First of all, we have to win out the rest of our games, and then hopefully get some help. I mean, we're, and the other thing too, you look at the standings with five back and, and uh, behind uh, Houston, which has lost something like four in a row. So, uh, you know, I've lived through a lot of crazy stuff in baseball, seen a lot of crazy stuff, read about a lot of crazy stuff. So I think this week will has a chance to be added to that list. And and if you needed some inspiration, all you have to do is look into the next league where the St. Louis Cardinals have won 16 consecutive games yeah. and 11 yeah. of those on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, uh, you know, I'm looking at the, let's see, the Giants are at 102 wins. The Dodgers are at 100 wins. Uh, they've had magnificent seasons. One of those teams could be a one-and-done uh, when they face the Cardinals. I mean, you know, the Cardinals are super hot. Everything's working for them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I had some friends. I got a friend of mine in St. Louis who's on the broadcast crew, and he's fired up. And, you know, two months ago I talked to him, and he was like, yeah, we're left for dead. See you later. Nothing going on. The next thing you know, boom. Yeah, that's funny how this game works. That's the beauty about baseball. You play it every day, and, and you just never know 
what one little thing is, is going to trigger something. And, and, you know, I'm a Reds yeah. fan, so I hate the fact that the Cardinals are doing it, but you have to tip your cap to them because it's well, just absolutely. been phenomenal. I mean, this, Cincinnati was in great shape about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And they made their charge, and I'm thinking, hey, well, I like the way they swing the bat. Winker got hurt. And uh, I, I guess pitching must have gone south, too. And, and, and the Reds were looking really good. You know, they're still, let's see, they're at 81 wins right now. So one more win will give them a winning season, uh, which is, you know, they're on the come. There's, there's a lot of teams on the come right now. Uh, and, and they're certainly one of them. And I, I think, you know, our ball club is one. And I would be, uh, you know, they, let's see, who else? San Diego, you know, they, they really frittered away their opportunity. They're at 500, but, you know, some improvement, maybe a managerial change. Did on the Mets, so I mean, there's there's going to be uh, there's going to be some good races as we move forward in the next couple three years. So, how do you handicap what you see in, in the American League as far as the playoffs are concerned right now? The, the the structure of power seems to be in the American League East with Tampa Bay, the Yankees, and Boston. If the season in today in the today all in, in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I don't discount. I never discount Tampa Bay these last couple of years. So I, I mean, I would say uh, they got 97 wins, and just based on that, I give them an edge. Houston, if they're healthy, get Granky back. He's on the IL, uh, and uh, what he called Brant- Brantley's on the shelf right now. So if they get one or both of those guys back, that's going to make a difference for them. But uh, I, I tell you, if the Mariners were to get that second wild card and have to play probably uh, say the Yankees in, in New York. I'll, I'll take my puncher's chance on that. But, you know, we got to get there first. Uh, and the Mariners have done an unbelievable job with the bullpen, late-game situations and hitting. And the other thing that's great about the team, they catch the ball. One of the better defensive teams in the league. Visiting with Dave Sims, the Seattle Mariners broadcaster, been doing this for a long time uh, in, in, in many different aspects of this business. One, one more thing on baseball before we – Turn the page here uh, just a bit uh, with, with all of the lean towards analytics and the way that's turning, and, and that's how Tampa Bay is doing what they do. It's interesting to see that the other two division leaders, the White Sox in the Central, Houston in the West, are both managed by old school, quote unquote, old school guys, Tony LaRussa and uh, Dusty Baker, respectively. And, and to me, it points out, Dave, there's just not one way to win. No, absolutely not. And those guys, uh, Tony, you know, and, and I know Justin's a friend, and uh, and I know he and, to- and Tony don't totally ignore all the analytics, but they're not totally driven by it. I mean, they also go by, uh, you know, what they see, what they know, you know, how a guy's doing on a particular day, how, you know, certain matchups, you know, some, one day you might have a matchup where the numbers, you know, he's 5 for 11 with two bombs against a guy, but uh, your hitter's in a brutal slump. I mean, you may not want to throw him in there. He may not get well against, you know, said pitcher. So, I mean, there's still you still have to manage. You still have to manage. You got to manage people. You got to manage situations. The numbers are great, and they're a big help, but they're not the be-all and end-all. Dave, before we we wrap it up and let you go, and appreciate your time again as always. You you did my podcast about uh, 16 months ago, and one of the things we talked about then, and because this is a different audience, I thought it would be good to to revisit for a few moments. Uh, is the the disturbing trend that I see uh, of today's athletes not understanding, knowing, or sometimes even caring about the history of the sport in which they played. And I, and I think the story that I relayed to you was being on a baseball bus a couple of years ago and a trivia game broke out, and I asked a question, and the answer to that was Mickey Mantle. And one of the college baseball players actually said, who's Mickey Mantle? 
Um, oh my God! Yeah, exactly. That's how it's all. Oh my it, God! It, exactly. Uh, and and when we talked about this, you, you see the same thing I do. I'm just going to let you riff on that for a second. Well, I mean, I, I've seen it in in the NBA. I mean, I, I, a couple of stories that jump out in the NBA when I was covering the NBA. I was covering the Knicks and, and talking with the great Walt Frazier. I mean, they, you know, name one of the 50 best, greatest players of all time, and he's been doing Knicks on TV for years and. And a lot of guys, a lot of the guys over the years didn't know that he played or they weren't familiar with him. And nor did they come to, uh, you know, come to ask him for advice. I mean, he's a, you know, just a wealth of information. But great Lenny Wilkins, Hall of Famer, is a player and a coach. One of the all-time winningest uh, coaches. I remember about the late John, who was a hot rod Williams once, said to him, Coach, you played? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he played, played in Providence, played for the St. Louis Hawks, among other teams, Portland and uh, Seattle, great player, Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah you got to know the history of sport. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you have to know, necessarily know who, uh, I don't know, made the 1919 uh, Washington Senators, but the significant guys of, of each particular era, you got to know who the heck they are. You got to have an idea who's in the Hall of Fame in all the sports. You got to know it to, have, and especially now, that stuff that we didn't have as kids. You get YouTube. You can look most of these guys up and look at video of them, or certainly pictures. And uh, so much of this stuff is cyclical, and 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 you can learn so much uh, from from uh, you know obviously from the past. I mean, you got to have an historical bent if you're going to be be an athlete, uh, whether it be college. I mean, it, I'm sure at Clemson, you know, you better know. I would think you'd need to know uh, my buddy Jeff Bostic. You know, three Super Bowls with the Washington Redskins, played on some great Clemson teams. I mean, you got to know who Danny Ford is. I mean, you got to know who the heck who came before you. I mean, it's uh, it's inexcusable that guys that that's really scary to somebody to know who Mickey Mantle was. I mean, and the other thing too, I think I mentioned this last time we talked. I never want to hear the phrase "that was before my time." I mean, as a friend. A friend of mine told me years ago, he, uh, Art Russ Jr. was a great sports talk show host in New York. And I, a friend of mine, and I competed against him when I was at WNBC doing sports talk at night. And a guy called up and he said something about a boxer. And and uh, this caller said, well, he was before my time. And, and Art said, hey, Lincoln was before your time. Read a book. <laughs> But but that's a great response. And as we get set to wrap it up here, I think the way that that we kind of couched this when we did this uh, the podcast last year, uh, you had just finished a a roundtable discussion with with a group of African American players, uh, current and past with 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 the Seattle Mariners, which is still available on YouTube. And we were talking about the impact of Jackie Robinson and wondering if today's Mm. athlete really understands exactly what Jackie Robinson did and, and the opportunities it has afforded them. Well, I think the, I think the knowledge base has been certainly accentuated by the fact that, uh, you know, we have Jackie Robinson day ever, every April 15th. So, I mean, you have to be a complete idiot not to know anything about him, given the exposure that is given to Mr. Robinson on that day, leading up to that day and following up on that day. So I don't think that's so much an issue, but, I mean, you should, you know, there's just there's so many great stories and great lessons to be learned from what he went through and, and how he persevered. I mean, he's one of the great Americans of all time, for crying out loud. And, and, and I, you know, white or black, you need to know who the heck he was. I couldn't agree with you more. 
Listen, uh, I know it's early out there on the left coast. Uh, we'll let you go. But, it's not uh, that early. It's only a little bit after nine. It's not that bad. I've been up for a while. <laughs> but, but still, but but still, I understand. Dave, thank you so much for spending some time with us. You bet, Dan. Hey, all the best, uh, and uh, stay in good health. And that was a conversation with Mariners broadcaster Dave Sims. Really, really good stuff again. And not got nothing to do with me, just uh, – you, you pick good people to talk with. You ask them the questions and get out of the way and let them go. And, uh, boy, did Dave go. Really enjoyed that. We'll take a quick break, come back, and one more interview for you on this edition of the Dan Scott Show podcast. We're going to shift gears and talk about the just-completed Ryder Cup and how about that performance by the Americans. Brad Faxon will join us in a moment to talk about that. Stay with us. Hey friends, Booty Cothran here, native of Greenville and eight-time competitor on NBC's American Ninja Warrior. And I want to tell you about Motive School of Movement, our new ninja and parkour gym right here in Greenville where we are teaching movement and functional fitness to people ages five and up and of every ability and skill level and they're loving it. We've got families that work out together, kids that leave the gym sweating and tired who can't wait to come back. We've even got a 62-year-old member taking adult parkour classes. And if you've got a child who would enjoy a Ninja Warrior themed birthday party we're your place together with brett and grace sims and bob reese we've created motive school of movement in an incredible facility located just behind haywood mall on webb road stop by and see us in person or take a virtual tour at motivemovement.org that's motivemovement.org or just search motive school of movement or call us at 864-775-4844 that's 864-775-4844 is your roof leaking or damaged? Do your gutters need repaired? You can Google roofing companies until your computer overheats, or you can simply call the best, Bracken Roofing and Gutter. Whether it's roof replacement, new and remodel installation, roofing insurance claims, whatever your needs, Bracken Roofing and Gutter will simply do it right the first time. And the same goes for gutter screen installations. Forget about balancing on ladders and cleaning your gutters. Let Bracken Roofing and Gutters screen them for you today. Listen, do not settle for subpar work. Get a free inspection today. Check out their reviews on Facebook. You'll see many satisfied customers, and they're all saying the same thing, that they're happy that they chose Bracken Roofing and Gutter. That's Bracken Roofing and Gutter. Call Kyle today at 864-704-5993. When it's time for a new mortgage or refinance, finding someone with a proven track record of both success and customer service can be an issue. Scott Fowler of Guaranteed Rate is the solution to both problems. Scott has helped thousands of clients achieve their home ownership dreams for over two decades and has been recognized as a top 1% originator in the U.S. by both Mortgage Executive Magazine and Scotsman Guide. And about that customer service, 96% of Scott's customers say they would use him again. Take advantage of the incredibly low finance rates while you can. Let Scott and his team guide you through the process start to finish. Call today, 864-915-8779. Again, that's 864-915-8779. Or find out much more online at www.rate.com slash Scott Fowler. Scott Fowler and Guaranteed Rate.
Dan Scott Show podcast continuing. We have talked with Tim Brando. We have talked with Dave Sims. And this all-star studded episode will continue with our final guest, guy who has been around the block when it comes to the world of professional golf. He's a PGA Tour veteran. He is a two-time Ryder Cup veteran. And he also happens to be a Furman Paladin. So you know he's going to get a little special uh, special place in our hierarchy here on the Dan Scott Show podcast. But I uh, had a chance to talk with Brad Faxon about the Americans' domination, as I said earlier, beating the knickers off of the Europeans in the just-completed Ryder Cup. 19-9 to was the final score. And here's what Brad had to say about that performance. I'm good, Dan. How are you? I- I'm doing fine. Um what was that like? I mean, that that's so uncommon. Not just a win, but that margin of victory. Well, it's something we've never seen before in the history of the Ryder Cup. That many points, uh, that that margin of victory, uh, the 19-9, to 9, the 10-point win. It's something that's pretty incredible, Dan, because when you, when you look back at last uh, Ryder Cup in France, we got hammered um, pretty badly, and... Captain Steve Stricker, who, by the way, was the first U.S. Ryder Cup captain that had never previously won a major to captain a team, and he was given um, the opportunity to have six picks instead of typically they have ten automatics and two picks. He got six automatics through the qualifying for the, the year and then six of his own picks, and he went young, the youngest team they've ever assembled. Uh, Dustin Johnson, who won five of his matches all five which he's only done uh, four times before that um, he had the youngest team ever but he had the best team ever if you look at solely world ranking points well obviously his strategy worked because uh, they just rolled the european team and and you've been a part of as i mentioned in the setup two Ryder cup teams this is this is not something that either side is accustomed to seeing you said we've never seen this margin before the U.S. has been on the short end of the stick or the club, if you will, more often than not recently in these Ryder Cup matchups. Uh, that was, that, that's got to be pretty special for those guys. Right. I, I believe the Americans before this week, uh, before last week, had lost eight of the last 11 matches. In 1979, uh, both the, the European PGA and the PGA of America, the, the entity that runs the, PGA, the Ryder Cup, decided to make a change and allow the Europeans to play against just Great Britain and Ireland because the U.S. had dominated so badly. And, and we were starting to think, are we going to have to change the format here because we're getting, we're getting our butts handed to us. So this is, this is a big win. And if you looked at the, the players that were on the team, eight of the top Americans in the world rank, eight of the top ten players, Dan, uh, were Americans. If you looked at all 12 players on our team, uh, we the average was eighth in the world rankings. If you looked at the top 12 players on the European team, they were like 30 seconds. So when you when you look on paper, you would have said, this should be dominating. Uh, but you could have said that for the last 11 Ryder Cups as well. We, we always had a better team on paper, but there was something mysteriously uh, that the Europeans did uh, that brought them together uh, with some emotion and, and maybe a, a 15th club that nobody could explain, uh, whether it was captains, whether it was how these players from sometimes six and seven different countries came together as one 
when egos were left off the door. And what's really inexplicable is the two best players of our generation, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, both had terrible team record rider for their Ryder Cups participation. So something about that um, is curious. And maybe the egos, uh, maybe they were so used to playing on their own, so used to winning on their own, they didn't want to uh, let down their defenses at all. But this year, without Tiger, without Phil, they had the most dominating win of all time. Brad Faxon joining us, two-time Ryder Cup vet himself, PGA Tour veteran Furman Paladin from back in the day. You know, you're, you're talking about the team aspect of things, and the Ryder Cup is one of those events, Brad, that pulls in people who don't watch golf. And it's because it is a, more, a little more raucous. There, there's more emotion than what you see in a normal PGA Tour event. There, there, there's more of what I call a sports event feel to it, perhaps. Is that part of the appeal, not only for the fans, but for the players themselves? No doubt about it. And, and this year, for the venue, Whistling Straits is a course of Neither of the teams we're very familiar with. There's been a couple PGA championships in there in the last 15 years. Um, so it wasn't like there was a home course advantage, but there was certain uh, a home field advantage, if I can say that, because the, uh, the Americans also benefited from something that really we haven't talked about much, and that's the fact that the pandemic has limited so much international travel that typically the fan base, even though it was here in the United States, the Europeans were... You know, they, they had a boisterous crowd, an uh, entertaining crowd, and, and you saw very little of that this week. And I had some good friends who went up and got to the, the course on at 6.30 on Friday morning for the opening ceremonies. And before anybody got to the first tee, any of the players, the crowd was already singing the national anthem. So it was a, a very patriotic crowd, uh, an excited crowd. Uh, and very partisan towards the U.S. And, and I think that might have played into the hands of the U.S. more than they thought, uh, because typically the Europeans um, has a nice contingency over here as well of fans. Visiting with Brad Faxon, talking about the U.S.'s Ryder Cup win over Europe this weekend in Wisconsin. What do you most remember from your two experiences as part of the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Uh, well, if, if anybody saw... Rory McIlroy's interview yesterday with Jimmy Roberts at NBC after he beat Xander Shoffley, Rory broke down and talked about the emotion of what it was like to play for those other the other 11 players and how much he loved his, his teammates. Uh, it, it was something that, you know, being, I'm lucky enough to be able to spend some time with Rory helping him with his um, putting. And, you know, we talk about everything golf, but, uh, that's why he's such a popular player. And, and I think that the players on the American team, Steve Stricker did a really good job of picking out players that he knew would be good teammates. They'd be good in the team room. And despite all the, uh, the last few months of battle between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, even those two hugged at the end of the week. So uh, that was pretty emotional. Uh, I think Stricker's, uh, had some nice assistant captains to help him, including Phil Mickelson. Uh, Davis Love was there, obviously. Uh, and I think everybody came out to play hard, uh, to play with some spirit. And it was, it was it's like you said, it, it's every two years. It's, it's fun of an event, any sporting event to watch, even if you're not a golfer. 
All right, final question, then we'll let you go, and I really appreciate your time today. We're visiting with Brad Faxon, PGA Tour vet, two-time Ryder Cup vet. Um, hyperbole is what the, the world that we live in. Steve Stricker yesterday said it's the, the best team that the Ryder Cup has ever had, and one story I am, I'm looking at is calling it the dream team and says that now they're set to dominate for years to come. We're getting ahead of ourselves here? <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty amazing how young these players were. And, and if you look at some of the rookies that played on the team, Colin Marikawa has won two major championships out of the eight that he's ever played in. Daniel Berger uh, played fantastic. Xander Shoffley won the Olympic gold medal earlier this year in Japan. So uh, the future's there. And, and you look at players like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas who grew up together. Uh, they're not even in their 30s yet. Uh, Patrick Canley, who won the FedEx Cup this year, went in the last two events. I mean, these players are not only great players, but they had played well towards the end of the year, so they had momentum on their side. Uh, I think Stricker's right. Uh, it, it was, it's remarkable. And, and to think that he had other players that he left off the team, like Patrick Reed, who, who has been Captain America on the Ryder Cup team the last few years, uh, like Billy Horschel, who, who won in Wentworth the week before the Ryder Cup, uh, he had some other great choices. Kevin Na, who finished third at the um, FedEx at the Tour Championship. So there's a lot of players that could have made that team besides the 12 that were on there, and, and I think they would have all done equally as well. And, and Dan, I, I love being on the show. I just landed in Raleigh uh, about an hour and a half ago. I had dinner with my, uh, lunch with my daughter here in Durham right now, and I'm driving to Pinehurst for a little outing for um, Titleist. And we're going to talk more about the Ryder Cup tonight, but it's always great to be back in the Carolinas. And that was my conversation with PGA Tour vet, two-time Ryder Cup vet, Brad Faxon. Dan Scott Show podcast, and we will take one more quick break, come back and put a wrap on things for you in just a moment. Stay with us. Sometimes cleaning up the neighborhood begins at home. When it does, call on Shane's Powerhouse Washing. Shane's is a family-owned business which prides itself on being on time and doing the job right the first time. Residential or commercial, home, business, driveway, parking lot, decks, fences, even dumpster pads. If it needs cleaning, Shane's Powerhouse Washing will get it done. Also, ask about the handyman services available. Call today, 864-760-9184 or check out the website, www.shanespowerhousewashing.com. I want to take just a moment here to tell you about my friend chiropractor Brian Dooley in Pickens Family Chiropractic in downtown Pickens, South Carolina. He's been my chiropractor. I had some issues a number of years ago and went to him. He has the most modern technology, computerized posture and spinal scans. He took care of my issues. He will take care of yours as well. He's been serving the entire family with chiropractic services since 2007. To lead your best life, you need a healthy spine. Hit a home run for your health with chiropractic care from Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. You can find more at the website, PickensFamilyChiropractic.com, or call 864-898-3300. That's 864-898-3300. You can also schedule appointments online via the Facebook page, Pickens Family Chiropractic, LLC. Brian Dooley and Pickens Family Chiropractic. Tell them Dan Scott sent you. 
Hey, this is Sturge. It's time to let you know that the website SturgisSports.com is back up and live. We have a lot of great articles, plus all your links to the college athletic programs in the upstate of South Carolina, all in one place. And make sure you like our Facebook page at Sturgis Sports as well, because that's where you'll catch the straight up with Sturge moments brought to you by Hank's Beverages. That's SturgisSports.com, S-T-U-R-G-I-S Sports.com. Hey everybody, Dan Scott here, and I've got a couple of updates for you. First of all, the Grumpy Old Broadcasters podcast has been rebranded to simply the Dan Scott Show podcast. All previous episodes are still there, and starting in early September, new weekly episodes are coming. And now you can find the Dan Scott Show channel on TuneIn Radio on the app or your computer. Current stuff plus 20 years of archived interviews available 24-7. That's the Dan Scott Show channel on TuneIn, and now the Dan Scott Show podcast, available everywhere podcasts are found. We are back to put a wrap on this edition of the Dan Scott Show podcast. I want to thank our guests again, Tim Brando from Fox Sports, Dave Sims, the Mariners broadcaster and uh, PGA Tour professional golfer veteran Brad Faxon for coming on and and spending some time with us here on the podcast. When I rebranded this to the Dan Scott Show podcast, I did it with the idea of not only continuing to talk sports and do some longer form interviews, but also to use it as a way to share my faith and to do some things, hopefully, to the glory of God. And in doing so, just share some things with you from time to time. There may be episodes where the podcast is is much more of that than it is sports. But at the very least, when we wrap it up on a episode-by-episode basis, I want to leave you with something. Sometimes it'll be my own thoughts. Sometimes it will be thoughts or devotions that I've picked up from other people along the way. And and that's the case today. Uh, I want to leave you with something from Dr. David Jeremiah, who is just an incredible Bible teacher. He's the senior pastor of Shadow Mountain Community Church in San Diego. He has a national radio ministry he's had for over 30 years called Turning Point, which I listen to every day. I've learned so much from this man, from his teaching, from his books, from his daily devotions, his Bible studies. And uh, I want to read you something out of his devotional book called Strength for the Today. And I read this every morning. This one is actually back from the month of March, but I thought it was very appropriate for today. And he always starts it off with a Bible verse. And the verse in this one is Hebrews 13, verse 16, and it's out of the New Living Translation. It says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And then Jeremiah wrote the following. He said, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, millions of people around the world lost their jobs, businesses, and livelihoods. But one mindset was not lost, generosity. From contributing to food pantries, donating to nonprofits, to helping out neighbors and friends where needed, giving was at an all-time high. In a time of great distress and hardship, many came together to help those in need. Jeremiah went on to write, God calls us to be generous, but that doesn't apply only to our money. 
We are also called to be generous with our time, love, prayers, words, service, and more. In Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, we learn about the woman who, though she was a sinner, was extravagantly generous. She brought a flask of fragrant oil and poured it onto Jesus' feet, washing them with her tears and her hair. Her jar of perfume was worth a year's wages in her day. While her sacrifice and generosity to Christ was remarkable, it was her demonstration of her love and her faith in him that we remember. So David Jeremiah then asked, what can we give to honor the Lord today? Contemplate something that you can sacrifice of yourself to be a blessing to someone else. I think that's good advice for all of us, especially me. Thank you for indulging us on this edition of the Dan Scott Show podcast. We'll be back with you again next week. And if all goes according to plan, we'll check in, among others, with Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman. Until then, do me a favor. Tell everybody about the podcast. Share it. Like it. Comment. Let me know what you think. And we'll talk to you again next week. Until then, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you. So long, everybody.